This is the Public News Service Daily Newscast, March 3, 2022. I'm Gina Tempesto. Ukrainians in the U.S. are getting support from groups across the country, urging the United States to take swift action to accept as many Ukrainian refugees as possible, including the Massachusetts Immigrant and Refugee Advocacy Coalition. More from Lily Bolke. Massachusetts has more than 20,000 Ukrainian residents, and Governor Charlie Baker has said he plans to work with the Biden administration to help refugees resettle in the Commonwealth. Elizabeth Sweet with the Mira Coalition says it's so important to protect Ukrainians who are in the U.S. now without legal status from deportation as the conflict ensues. That protection could be, for example, through the use of temporary protected status, which is a status determination usually given in some type of emergency situation. It would protect them from being sent back to Ukraine given these circumstances. According to the Migration Policy Institute, there are roughly 30,000 Ukrainian immigrants who would benefit from TPS. In addition, more than 100 recipients of DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, and more than 1,700 international students are from Ukraine. I'm Lee Wolke, reporting. Some U.S. politicians are calling on the Biden administration to ramp up crude oil production to reduce inflation-causing prices and the added burden of Russia's war with Ukraine. That puts states like New Mexico, a major producer, in the crosshairs. Russia's invasion of its neighboring country has caused oil prices to surge. Riley White is an associate professor of finance at the University of New Mexico. He says depending on the length of the conflict, it also could put pressure on U.S. producers to ramp up crude oil production. The United States right now is the largest oil producer. We have about 20 percent or so of the world's production. Russia is third. They have about 11 percent. And New Mexico is the third biggest oil producing state. Texas produces the most oil in the U.S., followed by North Dakota. I'm Roz Brown. Over the years, nearly two dozen states have abolished the death penalty. In Ohio today, our reporter says efforts to end executions there have reached a historic point. An invitation-only hearing will be held by the House Criminal Justice Committee today on legislation that would end Ohio's death penalty. It's the fifth hearing on House Bill 183, and the farthest a death penalty repeal bill has gone in the legislative process. Allison Cohen with Ohioans to Stop Execution says the measure has record bipartisan support. Four Senate Republicans joining seven Senate Democrats on the Senate bill and seven House Republicans joining 18 House Democrats on the House bill. I think that people would be surprised at how much support there is on both sides of the aisle for repealing the death penalty. A fiscal analysis of the bill estimated it would result in annual savings in both time and resources for the attorney general, the state public defender, county prosecutors and courts. However, the Department of Rehabilitation and Correction would likely experience long-term increases because of the need to house certain offenders for longer prison sentences. Mary Sherman reporting. There are currently 131 people on death row in Ohio. This is PNS. A Texas judge has temporarily blocked Governor Greg Abbott's directive for the state to investigate parents seeking gender-affirming health care for their children. Several groups sought the injunction after Governor Greg Abbott directed the state's Department of Family and Protective Services to investigate the parents. That followed a non-binding opinion from Attorney General Ken Paxton that certain types of gender-affirming care constitute child abuse in Texas. Ricardo Martinez with Equality Texas spoke at a news conference on Wednesday. I never thought that I'd live to see the day where people at the highest levels of power in Texas would actively attack innocent children and in the process disrupt the loving homes of families who are trying to do right by their kids. The court limited the temporary restraining order to the plaintiffs in the case, but scheduled a hearing for next week to decide whether to block the governor's directive more broadly. I'm Roz Brown. 
Connecticut advocates worry that an uptick in crime could lead to harsh policies that reverse reforms that divert young people away from incarceration. State Senate Republicans are proposing more GPS monitoring, among other things. Car thefts in the state increased 40 percent between 2019 and 2020, although data show that young people weren't the majority of those cases. Hector Glynn co-chairs a work group on the state juvenile justice policy and oversight committee. He says the uptick in crime connects to socioeconomic challenges exacerbated by the pandemic. It's not unexpected that you're going to have greater antisocial behaviors. Prior to this, we were doing extremely well, learning how to deal with people who commit crime. The draft bill includes GPS monitoring of young people arrested on violent crime charges while awaiting trial, along with needs-based scholarship programs for higher education. A Senate Republican spokesperson says Judiciary Committee co-chairs are expected to raise portions of the proposed bill, with public hearings likely starting next week. I'm Emily Scott. Meanwhile, bills have surfaced in nearly 30 states to add restrictions on studies of systematic racism. South Dakota has its own versions in the works. Here's the story. Today, a Senate committee will hear a GOP-led bill to prevent teachers from promoting politically divisive concepts. One example is individuals are inherently responsible for past actions committed by other members of the same race. Lauren Paul of the South Dakota Education Association calls the measure troubling, in part because the provisions are subjective and lack clarity. I believe it will cause a chilling effect on what our educators actually teach in their classroom. He says the state's code of ethics already offers a process for dealing with such matters, and this only adds confusion. The association also worries it would harm a student's ability to absorb certain subject matters. Bill supporters say they want to protect students from political indoctrination. I'm Mike Moen. This is Gina Tempesta for Public News Service. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.